If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 10 of the Parenting Aces Podcast. We are proud members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, and I have a fellow Tennis Channel Podcast Network podcaster as my guest this week. Alex Gruskin of Cracked Rackets joins us, and I'm super excited to have him share with all of you the Cracked Rackets story and Cracked Rackets' latest project, Project Elite, which any of you who have been following the name image likeness Supreme Court decision will be very interested to hear what Alex and his gang are up to in that regard. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Before I bring Alex on, though, just a quick reminder. If you haven't become a premium member of Parenting Aces yet, we'd love to have you. Just go to parentingaces.com and click on the join button. We've got that website scrolling across the bottom right now. If you are listening to this podcast on one of the podcast apps and would like to see the video version because you want to see what Alex Gruskin actually looks like in person, go to parentingaces.com. You can see the video version there or the Parenting Aces YouTube channel has all of our video podcasts available for you to watch. So that said, I'm going to just take our little ticker off the screen. I'm going to bring Alex on and I'm so excited, Alex. I feel like We've talked to each other more in the last two weeks than in the last year, but welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Season 10 sounds daunting, but that is so, so cool to hear. Uh, yeah, I've referred to you as the pod mother on our Crack Racket shows. It's always good when you get to spend a lot of time with your pod mother, with your real mother, whatever it may be. Yesterday <laughs> actually happened to be my real mom's birthday, and I called Aww. her and she goes, Alex, that Lisa Stone was fantastic. And I'm not going to do an impression of her because she'll listen to Alex, that Lisa Stone, she was so fantastic. Uh, but I always appreciate getting the chance to chat with you, and I appreciate you having me on the show today. So just wondering what I have to do to earn the nickname Fairy Podmother. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have to start wearing a crown or something? Or I mean, it would be a good look for you. You could pull it off. There's no denying that. So. I'm happy. Look, I, I tell these college coaches all the time right now I'm wearing the native Michigan gear. A lot of them have... You've been kind enough to send me gear from their schools. We rep it on our shows. I'm very bribable, Lisa. One parenting <laughs> aces hat. I'll call you whatever you need me to call you. You got it. It's it's <laughs> on its way. As soon as I get back to SoCal where my stash is, oh. I will stick one in the mail. Um, 
Alex, I want to start by just having having you give us kind of a little bit of your history in tennis because you took a different pathway than a lot of junior players take. And um, I think it's interesting for parents to hear about that. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. I will try and be brief because whenever I talk about my tennis, inevitably I get carried away. Those who are watching this on the video will see my club tennis picture in the background. Sometimes I can't help myself. Um, but no, it was... It was a bit unconventional for me. I really thrived in the team environment for tennis, in particular high school tennis meant a lot to me. Um, I suppose the long story short version, I was a chubby kid growing up, very loved, big boned, according to my grandmother, which I'm sure is something you will laugh at. But, uh, you know, I, I, I made my older brother made varsity as a freshman. So I was like, well, that's the benchmark. Obviously, I have to do that. I was able to do it, but I didn't really play as a freshman on the team. And that was kind of frustrating to me. And so I worked really hard my sophomore year, lost a bunch of weight, helped that I hit puberty, got a lot better at tennis. That was the first summer I beat my brother in straight sets. And I looked at him. I go, Eric, I'm never losing to you again. And he kind of <laughs> laughed. Can I swear? I won't swear. I won't say. No, don't swear. It's pieces. Something along the lines of, you know, shut the puck up. Um, Uh But and so from there, uh, that season went well for me. I remember orientation. My mom will like this story. A girl who I had always been fond of said, wow, Alex, you look really good. And I was like, yeah, I do. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I obviously thanked tennis for that as well. And just I always enjoyed the tennis environment. I always felt comfortable there. I feel like tennis players, particularly when you're a junior, you speak a certain language, whether it's, you know, oh, that guy is treeing. I know what that means. You know what that means. If I say this TV show is treeing or whatever, I can refer to tennis things in other realms of life and it just makes sense. And I always felt comfortable there. And some of my closest friends I met through the tennis world and you know, for me, I always say a doubles partnership is like a relationship. And like, I am still super close with every person I play doubles with in high school. And my doubles partner, Max Rothman, is who I started our initial Great Shot podcast with. And my high school teammate, Max Fliegner, was our initial producer. And so I was always very close to the tennis world. I got better. Like, <laughs> one of my favorite games. I'm a lot better, I think, than some of our podcast listeners think at tennis, but I'm not good. Like, I'm, I'm not bad. If it's a binary system, good or bad, because you can see some people are, aren't good. Sure. I would casually people be like, oh, you played tennis. And fun anecdote, I apologize. I'm going on a rant here. But yesterday at the grocery store, this is a big deal for me, Lisa. Um, I, I'm checking out, you know, I'm getting my groceries and the lady, kind lady bagging my groceries says, hey, are, are, were you an athlete? And I was like, oh, my God, they think I'm an athlete, Lisa. Um, I was like, kind of, why do you ask? And then she goes, oh, because you're dressed like one. I was like, no. I was like, come on, no. You mean it's because of my physique. Um, But all of that is to say I wasn't good enough to play at a school that I wanted to go to. My parents went to Michigan. My older brother went to Michigan. I went to a smaller private school. I was ready for a big school atmosphere. And thankfully, I was able to play club tennis there and keep it as a part of my life, meet so many of my closest friends. And, you know, we had some success. We won a club national championship. You win a national championship in anything. The hubris you get from that, you're going to think you can do a lot of things. And one of those things I thought I could do was start a podcast. And I guess that gets us to crack rackets. I don't know if that if that's enough on the tennis side. But for me, it was that's just, perfect. Yeah, I, you, my dad says, I guess the last anecdote, because it is parenting aces, and my dad will be super excited that I referenced him. Uh, we went to 
I don't want to. I'm glad to know there is a dad because yeah. you always only <laughs> talk about your mom. Oh, my <laughs> dad's not that interesting. He's, he thinks he's, he, imagine me, but like a more refined version. Like if he went to law school and were in corporate law and like had a filter, that yeah. would be him minus the walking around the underwear in the morning. Um, yeah. But, well, I guess I do that too. Point <laughs> is, we're at, uh, I won't say which college, but we were at a division three school that was kind enough to be looking at me and we went out and visited. And my dad goes, Alex, I knew within three seconds of walking on that campus that you were not playing Division Three tennis. He's like, when they said, oh, and here's the downtown. And you were like, oh, there's one restaurant. And you were like, you know, Ann Arbor, this is like the quarter store. Yeah. And I, he, he knew then, I knew then college tennis wasn't for me to play, but it was certain for, certainly for me to dive, I suppose, my life into. Yeah. And you have done just that. <laughs> you guys started Cracked Rockets, what, Four years ago now? 2017, August 2017. So I guess. Exactly. Yeah, like season four, season five. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. And, you know, you and I still haven't met in person, but um, you've been on the podcast. Huh? This counts. This counts, I guess. (laughs) But at some point post-COVID, we will be in the same place at the same time, and I'll get to give you a hug, and that (laughs) that will formalize the relationship right there. But I did get to meet Dalton in person and interview him. He's been on the podcast a couple times. He is one of your business partners. And can you just share with our audience how Cracked Rackets came to be? Was Great Shot first? Was Cracked Rackets first? How did those come together? It was simultaneous for for my end, the Great Shout podcast, which was the very first podcast we had at Cracked Rackets, or at least that I was hosting, uh, came immediately after we won our club tennis national championship my senior year, 2017, in college. After that, I knew I wasn't going pro, but I really wanted to keep tennis in my life. And I, this is not meant to be disrespectful to people who feed balls for a living, because that's the majority of the tennis ecosystem without tennis pros. I love tennis because I love my coaches growing up more than anything in the world, whether from Joe Brennan to Ed Nagel, Josh Molino, they have done more for me than any three individuals that aren't my parents out there. And, um, you know, again, I, that love of tennis, I didn't want to keep feeding balls. I had a real world job and I was like, I don't really want to do that on weekends, but I would love Mm -hmm. to keep tennis in my life somehow. And, respectfully, I w- not to build myself. I was always good at talking tennis. Like some people have skills. For me, that was it. I was at the club at tennis tournaments, wherever it may be. That was my thing. I follow it very closely and I always enjoy talking. I, I like to think I can have fun with it. And so this was- And 20- you have an, an <laughs> unbelievable recall of <laughs> matches, stats, tournaments, players' histories, Colette's columns, you yeah. old zoo tennis columns all the time. I mean, I I don't know if it's just because you're in your 20s and your brain's still fresh, but it, it boggles my mind when I hear you start spewing stats. Well, thank you. This is where my dad would go, yeah, but you should see his biology grade, um, <laughs> which I was fine. I just like, I do not care that, you know, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Like that's irrelevant yeah, to see, me. See, you remember that. Yeah, well, exactly. Selective memory is what yeah. my dad calls it. He's like, you remember what you want to remember. I'll tell you, send me your freaking w2 and you haven't sent it to me in six months um (laughs) but uh, no i appreciate you saying that um yeah look those 2011 virginia team when you were so coming of age in the 2010s right as youtube and Mm -hmm. stuff is getting popping 
Um, I was looking for any and all tennis highlights and college tennis in particular, because it was the team format and I was playing high school tennis and I was interested in college tennis. I was looking for whatever I could. And Virginia men's tennis had the best highlights in the world, like the best. I could tell you everything. I would say 2009 onwards about Virginia oh, wow. men's tennis to like the end of their run 2017 from Sam Dev through to Carl Soderland, just that, that era of Virginia tennis, because that was that was it. So I've watched those videos a hundred times. I've told Colette this. I have Noah Rubin playing at the Pan American Championship using the head gold liquid medal. Like I've seen that video. Why do you times. know that? Well, Why do you know one that? would hope watching it as frequently as I have that you would remember those things. I guess is <laughs> why I would say it. And so all of this is to say I had takes. And 2017 was a really fun time to be a tennis fan because we were on the precipice of next-gen faces are starting to emerge. Zverev, Tsitsipas, guys who are my age, who I grew up following, and just, you also, of course, have the big three at the end as well. And in 2017, there weren't 500 tennis podcasts. There were like five. There were, you know, there were you, there was the tennis podcast, tennis.com had theirs, no challenges remaining, which I listened to religiously when I was a little bit tipsy on my rides back to North Campus as a freshman in college. And like, I just thought I could do it. And I know that that takes a little hubris. I think your listeners will have learned in the first 10 minutes. I don't lack in that. Um, But you have to, right? Whatever you're trying, you have to believe in yourself. And so I went to my doubles partner, Max Rothman, who is red of hair. I'll move my head to the left so you can see him. Red of hair. He, I convinced everyone at club tennis that we called him the red rifle because he's got a huge serve and he has red hair. And everyone believed it and they went with it. And I was like, come on, like, we'll call you the Red Rifle. We'll do this podcast. We'll have some fun with it. I love and he, it. And he was like, sure, why not? And then all this is to say we did French Open 2017 was our dry run. Episode was OK. It was good enough to where it's like, let's record another one. But let's be serious. First episode we did 2017 Marin Chilich crying at the Wimbledon final, <laughs> which like I'm not trying to make fun. of. I wouldn't make fun of now. I'm sure I had more choice words then. Um, and I remember we, I kind of, I saw the Cracked Rackets Twitter account had started and they had just had, I think, Chris Eubanks and Will Blumberg on the show. Mm-hmm. And I listened and I was like, eh, Dalton sucks. Um, and I was like, no, he's, he, I was like, this is really cool though. I love what they're trying to do. We don't have access. They have access. They don't have a steady stream of content. I think I could provide that. Let me DM him and see what happens. I, I was in a parking lot. you knew lot. him? You knew I, him? It was a DM out of the blue. I didn't know. Okay. I, I didn't nothing know. about him. I just, I saw the truth. You didn't know his brother either? No, I, I saw okay. that they had just gotten Parsa on board. And okay. in the early days, I didn't have a Twitter, but I, Parsa, Jonathan Kelly, who happens to yeah. be a good friend still to this day, obviously you, Colette, like those were the staples. Right. And I just, I saw Parsa was joining their team and, hubris alert. I was like, if Parsa can do it, I can freaking do it. Uh, again, choice words. And I call, I remember where I was and our, I was driving back from my real job. I stopped before I got on the highway parking lot of the noodles and company right off of the exit in Ann Arbor. And I called Dalton and we, we talked for like an hour and a half. And I was like, Oh, this, this might be something. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is something. And you guys have grown your following. I mean, it's just massive now. And you've taken what started as, you know, a, a little podcast and turned it into 
not just a little podcast, a massive podcast with a with a huge audience, plus your running tournaments, plus your now getting credentialed at tournaments and you're broadcasting live from those tournaments, you're calling matches at tournaments. And most recently, you have a new project, Project Elite, which we'll talk about in just a second. But I want to just kind of go back to the beginnings of Cracked Rackets and just tell you, if I haven't shared this with you before, I'm sharing it with you now, that when I first saw what you guys were up to, I was blown away and so thrilled to see a group of young tennis fans and former players getting involved in the business of tennis because until the time you guys started, tennis was being run by people my age and older. There were not people who understood how to draw young fans into the sport and y'all were it. I, I remember a meeting I had with the head of the tennis channel and telling him, you need to reach out to these guys. These are the people doing what Tennis Channel should be doing. You need to partner with them and bring them on board. Because tennis has complained for years that it doesn't know how to reach young fans, how to bring new people into the sport. You guys have found the magic bullet. Oh, well, I appreciate you saying that. Hey, you're not old. Let's be clear here. Okay. Well, you're- I am, but that's okay. <laughs> I would say prime. You're in your prime. This okay. is how I would, which is a good thing. Um, okay. You know, but- I have a 32 year old child, right? Yeah, but you, that, you were a medical, <laughs> yeah. they were like, you had a kid at eight. That's crazy. Yes, that. uh, yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, as the son of an OBGYN, I know it's possible. Yes. Um, no, but uh, <laughs> um, I appreciate you saying that. We do a lot of different things. I, I think something that we talked about from the beginning, though, of course, was we do have an, a unique window in that I am and I, I hate to say I because I, I say it all the time. It's 80 percent Daniel Westoff at Crack Rackets, our super producer, the man who figures out if we say, hey, we want to try and do this. He actually goes his reaction is, huh? Okay. And it's like, it's always that. And it's just like, give me an hour. And it's like, okay, cool. Thank you. And he makes it happen. No, we did a full broadcast from scratch, our camera, no tower at this exhibition event, the Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge. Mm -hmm. We got to see Golbis, Eubanks, Romanathon, and he did it all. It's incredible. So that helps. I say it's 17% me, uh, 1.5% Hannah, Dalton's wife. The other 1.5, I suppose, is Dalton, other whatever, you know, math. I think that's 100. But it, it does help that we're all, you know, 30 or younger, that we're all, we all have, I mean, Dalton and Hannah are married, but for Westoff and I, we have each other. Like, we live in Crack Rackets headquarters together. It is a big bubble of Crack Rackets ideas. And we are in a position right now in our lives where we're very fortunate that we can dedicate ourselves to this full time. It's 1045 two nights ago. And I get the message, Hey, Francis Tiafo and Andy Murray are available for a press conference. And I don't have any excuse not to go because again, I'm fortunate enough, shout out to my parents to be able to do this full time and not Mm -hmm. like I get, I have the shot. And so we like to view it as we owe it to our crack records fans, to all the people who have supported us to Try and do it in every avenue possible, whether that's hosting junior events, hosting college events, being on the ground as, as met, at as many events as possible to offer fans 
the look that uh, they deserve at the tennis world, but also to talk about it the way that I don't think tennis is treated in the broader ecosystem. Yes, you have Tennis Channel, but I like to think prior to the mini break podcast and why it has a following is that people don't do daily shows on tennis. And if you're going to follow tennis the way the diehards do, you have to go daily because there are 12 events in any given week. And if you let the, the results build up, you're ju- the show's just going to suck. Like we, I've done a week. The reason we have a daily show now is because I was just like, this weekly show's not working. Like it's just, there's too much. It's too jammed in. You yell at me for talking for two hours. If I don't talk for two hours, we're not going to hit everything. So I can't do that. And we're fortunate enough here at Crack Rackets that now we are able to go time uh, full time and, you know, Westoff and I, this is our jobs that we get to explore a bunch of different avenues. So I appreciate that other people see that because that is really one of our goals here. Y'all are like your own little tennis incubator, right? You know? <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. You yeah. live together, you work together, you, uh-huh. you know, brainstorm together, and then you make it happen. I told my parents, this is, uh, this might tell you more about me than anything else, but super producer Daniel Westhoff and I just moved houses and we got our own U-Haul, you know, you get the mattress things, everything. And my parents were like, they were like, what? They were like, he, I just told him like, yeah, Westoff plugged in the washer and dryer. My dad was like, he plugged in the dryer. He was like, are you, who, what is this sorcery? And I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like, it was crazy. And so no, we, I, I don't know how he does it. Imagine you edit my voice, you edit my face on video, you come out of your office and then I'm your roommate in the kitchen making dinner. I'm like, Hey, Daniel. And he's just, it's, it's his patience. It's the fact that we really, again, we get to cover tennis full time. It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. And you'll do an amazing job. Um, I was really excited when I saw you get into the tournament director space and especially on the junior side. And can you talk a little bit about that, how y'all decided to, get into the tournament business and why you chose the UTR platform as the way to go. Yeah. And, and, I, 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 and I said UTR, I, I have to correct myself. It is now universal tennis. They have uh, on a rebrand <laughs> and I have to stop it. I, I, too many years of saying the other, the other name. It is as now someone who calls tennis. our friends at tennis point Midwest sports still on every yeah. third podcast. I get yeah. it. Totally, yeah. totally get it. But, you know, beyond even universal tennis, whether it's USTA, whether it's ITA, who happens to use universal tennis as well, which is a big reason why we started to use them, too. Um, I mean, again, having grown up playing these tournaments, Dalton grew up playing the tournaments as well. I was very fortunate that my coaches were tournament directors. And so I, since I was eight years old, I was like, let me work the board with you. Let me do all of these things. Obviously, that was when I knew I should be a podcaster in tennis moving forward. But just innately, we you know, tennis tournaments are very dry. They're very bland. There's not yeah. a lot of investment. It's a lot of times for tournament directors. And I hate to brush with the broad strokes, but I get it, especially when you're running a tournament every other weekend. You're just trying to get through the finish line. Like you get to that Saturday at noon and you are like, oh my God, how much, what? We still have three sessions left today of matches to go on and they're not, the last wave's not going on until five. Like this sucks. And there's rain in the forecast. Exactly. What are we going to do? (laughs) But again, this really helps that we're all pretty young and like we all have the energy to be like, okay, if it's worth it for us to, if it's three days of just max energy, trying to ensure these players have a good time playing these events. And, you know, 
I again, I, I really don't cuss this often, but we had an incident at an ITA event where this 15 year old was playing a senior in college or a rising senior in college. And I they called out a line judge and I I was the line judge that was called out to the court. And are you a certified a lot, official too? I, I have a lot of skills. Let me oh just say that. Oh my gosh, Alan. I do you things. never cease to amaze me. <laughs> Thank you. Well, in, out, vision, I can do it. Um, okay. It's like a driver's test. Uh, and by the way, like a driver's license, officials should be pulled after 75 because <laughs> we've got some issues. But um, so I don't fi- think you're going to get any argument from the parenting <laughs> agent's audience on that one. <laughs> exactly. But I know, I know my audience. I know how to butter the bread. But this 15-year-old loses a point and the fist pump from the college kid goes directly at him because he's trying to get in his head because he's older. And in the most amazing moment I've ever seen on a tennis court, the 15-year-old drops his racket, looks at the kid and goes, hey man, F you. You can't talk to me like that. And I was both shocked and like, I was kind of impressed. I was yeah. like, good for you. Like way to stand up for yourself. And then I was like, all right, both of you bring it in. I was like, we're not doing this anymore. I was like, we don't have to have a winner in this match. I can win it. Like you guys can be defaulted and that's fine, but we're not doing that anymore. I was like, I'm not going to code you, but if you do that again, you're done like that. You can't do that. And to the other kid, I was like, and you know what you're doing. And so, it, and I think it helps to have a 25-year-old telling them that, to be like someone who's not, I'm not antagonizing them. They both know what just happened. And I think that is why kids come back and play our events because we try and create that environment. I had a parent, a parenting ace, let me tell you, was this line. She goes, hey, I, you know, you guys have gotten some things wrong this weekend, but I think you guys have created a really fun environment and it's clear the kids are loving themselves. And I said, ma'am, you know, some people give compliments, but a backhanded compliment is rare. So I really appreciate that. And she started laughing. And it's just like, we can have a dialogue with the kids because we're close enough in age with them that they feel comfortable. We can also have a dialogue with the parents because we have seen 10,000 tournaments and we are prepared for the scenario. So it, that that's well, part of the reason. And you're the ones running it. So yeah. of course the parents are going to feel comfortable talking to you because you're the one making the decision. I like to think so. Some of them have come up to me and given me looks like, is are this is real. This is day three of this act. And I'm like, yeah, sorry. It's part of the gig. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it, we try to have fun. And, you know, that's half the game. Well, and I can say, too, that just, you know, from experience being the tennis parent at these events, that the way you handled that conflict between the 15-year-old and the college player, I I mean, don't you wish officials had handled conflicts like that for you when you were coming up? I, I can't tell you, you know, how many frustrating experiences. And my kid, you know, he had a temper. He was a bracket thrower and a a four letter word thrower too. And, and, you know, instead of like having a conversation most of the time, and there are exceptions for sure, but most of the time the officials were not trying to help the players resolve their issues, whatever they were, whether it was conflict with each other or just internal conflict, they were out there to just, you know, code violations, suspension points, blah, 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 you know? Yeah. that doesn't make it fun. No, that's exactly that's exactly it. The the officials are there to officiate and it's a serious role, but sometimes it shouldn't be that serious. This isn't the US Open. It's a weekend event. Like there is not life or death in this ITA result and right. while I am eternally grateful to all of the sportsmanship awards I still have on my tennis bag for all of the umps I sucked up to over the years, 
Yeah, it helps when you can have an actual dialogue with a referee, when you feel comfortable saying, you understand why I'm doing this, right? Because I don't think it's right that he's acting like this. And I can say, yes, I see that. I will talk to him, but come to me. It's inappropriate for you to do that on court. And you know that. To which the kid says, yeah, you know what? If you will talk to him, that's fair. That's fine. That's all I ask. And that's all a kid wants to hear in the moment as well. It's just like, you understand my sense of grievance in this moment. And that, and I do because I've played that match not that long ago. And I've, and so not saying these officials, because a lot of these officials do play in leagues now, but they're a little bit removed from the feeling that of the exact feeling of what these kids are going through. And I think at Crack Rackets, that's something you know, getting into Project Elite is we understand what these kids are trying to do. So uh, there you just provided a segue <laughs> for me. Thank you very much. I was trying to come up with a, a cool way to do that. Um, what's Project Elite? Uh, well, I would and like let to me just say we we have written about it on ParentingAces.com. So those of you who want to know a little more, we've got links and all that for you on ParentingAces.com. You. But go ahead, Alex. Well, are you sure? As long as you promise, I can go back and talk about the 2017 Club Tennis National Championships because yes, I like can. when I say Rothman and I played a perfect match against Georgia Tech. I've never. My older brother came up to me and he goes, "Alex, I didn't know you were actually good at tennis until today." <laughs> And I was like, Eric, I didn't know it either. I was like, did you see that? He goes, you had this reaction. But he goes, I've never seen you make that ball. It's like, I know, man. It was great. Anyway. Wait, who'd you play at Tech? Uh, oh, I don't remember the kid's name. Oh, come on. You Seriously? don't remember the bagels. You don't remember, though. You're like, we just, we we showed up, we kicked. But it's probably Seriously. somebody I know from Atlanta. Oh, they were the sweetest. Uh, I, I, I don't remember. I That's wish okay. I remember. Then, yeah, okay. I I remember the Harvard kid who subbed in down five one because there are substitutions, and they're like, "We're going to put a hold on the board here," and we broke them. And he stand. It was like I just remember laughing, be like, <laughs> um, "Anyways, so Project Elite, where yeah. does this come from?" <laughs> uh, all of this, uh, you know, with the new NIL ruling, and I, I know you talked about it in the intro, but there's a lot of uncertainty right now in college tennis, no doubt about that. And what these rules mean, what opportunities are going to be created for these athletes. And I think we just talked about it at the tournaments. When we at all the crack rackets event, when we do our coverage of the college tennis season, we try to actually get to know these athletes. We try to get to know the coaches. And that's something we've been super fortunate to be able to do here. And I joked about it earlier. These coaches send me gear now. I, I want them to because not only do I enjoy having the gear, but, you know, I enjoy representing these schools. I enjoy just representing college tennis, what it means to so many of these athletes, because you talk to all of them. When you are in the college tennis ecosystem, you are fully invested in the sport. Sure. It is a full-time job. It is, you know, you are not only trying to make grades and you're trying to have a life on campus, but, you know, to compete at the highest levels of college tennis now, you have to be practicing overtime. Yes, of course, there are limits, but you have to be doing the individual work. Not if you even want at the highest levels, at yeah. pretty much any level of college exactly. tennis. D2, D3, it doesn't matter right now. To be, right. Uh, I guess I was trying to say, to be the best of the best in your conference, to be yeah. the best of the best in whatever your little co- competitive bubble is, it takes work now because the standard in college tennis is immensely high. Um, of course, as such, 
that means these players are really, really good. And I mean, I'll, I can give you the numbers. The obvious examples of late have been John Isner, Kevin Anderson, who've been the flag bearers forever. Steve Johnson belongs in that conversation as well. But you look at up and down the rankings, guys like Matthew McDonald, guys like Marco Chiron, guys like Jensen Brooksby, Brandon Nakashima. And, you know, all, I, I can go on and on of the list of players who have, who are now making successful transitions. That's just the men's side, by the way. Obviously, on yeah. the women's side, there are countless other examples uh who are having success in the pro game as they make that transition and i mean we've seen it at cracked rackets i know for a fact forty thousand people watched the national indoors uh in 2021 at illinois there's a huge college tennis fan base out there that wants to embrace these athletes and Mm -hmm. so what we want to do at project elite and through project elite is give them a mechanism to do so is give them the chance to say, Hey, we appreciate your efforts. We appreciate all you do to promote the sport. Here's our way of giving back and investing into the sport. And just again, acknowledging and, uh, and incentivizing, it just feels like a dirty word, by the way, I still don't know how to treat all of this NIL stuff because it's just built in me that it's all illegal. Um, But just to make these athletes feel, feel, feel Gratif- I mean, feel some gratification for, for their efforts. Value. That's the word. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just offer them gratification and make them feel valued for their efforts. Yeah. Yeah. And also no, to help build it. the brand. So, so Project Elite is, I mean, you're sort of acting as a marketing agency between the college tennis player and the business or alum or whoever who wants to support the college tennis player and, you know, kind of as an adjunct to that support college tennis in general. Mm-hmm. That is exactly. Well, you can legally do that. That is ex- the Supreme court said so in June. That's absolutely it. And I will say rules still differ from state to state. Like I know in Florida, they're a lot more strict on what coaches can or can't be involved with than say Ohio with what coaches can do, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I know, obviously, our first two athletes, Cannon Kingsley, Isabel Boulay, both play for Ohio State. I know, again, we went through the NCAA. We are following all the regulations, everything uh, in place as it currently is written. Um, But there's no denying that there are a lot of people out there who want to embrace these college tennis athletes. And more importantly, what we can do is use that as a mechanism to help grow the sport, to help draw more attention to college tennis, because... I think case in po- it really helped that this year's national championships were really freaking good. Like that, that, you know, everyone watched Pepperdine, Texas. Everyone was watching that match. And it, it was, it broke through the tennis Twitter bubble in a way I had never seen college tennis do on a full scale. And, you know, there's a lot of popularity right now in college tennis. And we at Crack Rackets are, we think, best positioned to help capitalize on that popularity, to help show tennis fans, our fans who may listen to us through for the pro action, hey, there's really good, you know, challenger level type action or 125K level action happening each and every week mm-hmm. during the college tennis season. We now have the assets to also, or, you know, the resources, I suppose, to bring these players to these fans and say, listen every week to Cannon Kingsley. Now that you've heard him every week, well, I might as well go watch him play. Or now that yeah. I've heard Isabel Boulay, I, I don't know when this podcast is coming out. I know over the next few days we'll announce Hunter Heck and Koisi Kenyatta at Illinois as our next two Crack Rackets athletes. Oh, I'm, I, I've heard about the Champagne Challenger. Let me go check that out now. Right. We just think, again, to be able to offer these players resources 
to market what they're already doing full time, it was a no brainer for us. Well, and this is what's been missing from college tennis. It's missing still from junior tennis is featuring these athletes in such a way to build a fan base around them. And you guys have stepped in and filled the the hole in, in the sport. I've been asking for this for years. It wasn't something I knew how to do or was necessarily interested in doing, but I am thrilled that you guys have picked up the ball and started running with it. Can you share with us what is involved in becoming a Project Elite athlete? What criteria do you guys use to determine that you want to work with somebody? And what are the athletes looking for from you in order to determine whether or not they want to sign that contract? Yeah, I will preface by saying it is all still very fluid. Obviously, sure. like like any new project, project. I mean, let me let me just interrupt. We are recording this the end of August. U.S. Okay. Open Qualies is going on right now. Um, by the time this airs, U.S. Open will be over. So go ahead. Gotcha. No, I appreciate that. And honestly, two weeks from now, Project Elite may be rebranded. It's just going to be called Project Lisa. Um, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, the, the truth is, um, again, part of this is a resource driven thing. We only have so many resources at our disposal to promote as many athletes as we can. Now, the long term goals for Project Elite, of course, is not just starting on the college side, but it's starting on the recruiting side as well. Letting these athletes know as they enter college, hey, here are the schools that, quite frankly, can do the most for you. Because once you become a college athlete, that school is going to extract every ounce out of you. And I'm not trying to diminish that process or, you know, speak negatively about college tennis. Me saying the college is going to extract every ounce out of you is not a uh, demonstration of the process. Yeah, exactly. That's just how college tennis works. Yeah. What we at Crack Rackets feel an obligation to do is help not only the athletes, but the parents themselves know, hey, at this school, these are the resources available to you at mm. this school. These are the resources available to mm. you. And Hey, these are the caliber of athletes, both on and off the court. This is what they are accomplishing through the, the uh, resources made available to them by going to this program. And so, it, and, it, and by the way, this is outside athletic scholarship money. Yeah. Is, yeah. We are talking outside of that package of financial help. Um, this is, now the athletes are able to capitalize financially on the fact that they are collegiate athletes. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we believe long term, and this is the idea, as soon as we can get as many athletes on board as we can. And I want to get back to your I'm not trying to avoid your question. What That's are we okay. looking for from the athlete perspective? I'll bring you back. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. But look, when we have a comfortable list of athletes, athletes that we think represent not only crack rackets well, but the best of what college tennis can offer, not just on the court, but of course what they're representing off the court as well. We hope to be able to go to a sponsor to say a Wilson or a head or just, you know, any sort of tennis invested company and say, Hey, we think your we would like your brand to be associated with crack rackets athletes. Here's why it's beneficial for you because mm. you're going to see the entire college ecosystem now using this product because that's what a cracked rackets athlete is, is you use Wilson and you do this and you get 3.8 GPA because much like my Jewish parents, high standards for cracked rackets athletes, of course, scholar athlete or bust. Um, but just again, is that written in to the contract, by the way, that is not no scholar athlete requirement yet. Okay. No, scholar. I mean, yeah, Dalton's going to hear me say that. I was about like, to yeah, cheer be like, you really loudly no, out as a Jewish mama. Yeah, believe me, 
<laughs> maybe no that's, there's no way that's just not because you can't no, say what everyone's that's, that's not is. your role you know that's what we're role. gonna do it um no it just again but that is something we absolutely look for and of course sure. how do you engage with college tennis fans are you someone who has been outwardly you know uh spoken outwardly about your college tennis experiences is that something you're comfortable doing as well and this gets back to again what are we looking for from these athletes not only someone who can represent us well obviously on court results cannons isabel speak for themselves but people who represent what we think college uh, tennis epitomizes the energy associated with the sport the fact that the, the you know the epitomizing of the team culture again we're going to get a guy in Koisi Kenyatta who yeah played some one doubles for Illinois last year but was mostly at the five and six singles position not a lineup superstar by any measure of the word but a guy who epitomizes everything as college tennis is about just the energy he brings his enthusiasm for his teammates that's someone we want representing uh, as a crack rackets athlete because that's what college tennis can be for so many of these players that's what Club tennis was for me, and that's I try and relate it to the college experience. I think that's why I've grappled onto the sport so closely. Is you just find out who you are as a person, and really, that's that's what we hope this crack rackets, uh, this project elite can be for these crack rackets athletes is just provide them an opportunity to say, Hey, here's what I'm comfortable with, this is who I am, let me show myself to the college tennis world, and they you will be embraced. Do you see reaching out to club tennis players too? That's long term. I mean, Dalton would say no because he's like, we have one of you already. I think we're good. Um, but I, I would say for now, we're focused on, you know, again, Division One, Division Two, Division Three. Sure. Now, varsity, that's the way to put it exactly. But yeah. it is not Division One. We are looking to get Division Two, II, Division Three as well, get going off the ground. We do have an application process right now. You can go to project elite.com, symbol, not the spelling, project elite.com uh, to learn more about it. Um, but again, Part of it is also going to be a resource-based thing. It, it certainly helps when, you know, specific schools, specific donors can say, hey, I, I am looking to sponsor this student to become a Crack Rackets athlete. It, can you make that happen? And the answer to that question now is yes. So a big part is going to be from the Crack Rackets and the college tennis fan community is mm-hmm. we are looking for their assistance in doing this as well because we want to support as many players as we can. We don't want it to just be the big schools and the, you know, the big money programs, dare I say. But um, no, that our intention for Project Elite is, again, to have as many athletes as possible representing the Crack Rackets brand because we are committed to college tennis and we want to do as much for these athletes as we can. And so will you be connecting them directly with financial sponsors or will you be taking a commission off that? I mean, what's the business model here? You know, I, it's part of it is purposeful ignorance. I leave some of that to Dalton. I, I you know, I don't want to put in, be put in a position because I do the majority of our coverage of college tennis. And again, I'm not trying to cop out here, although. Well, that was, I was going to go down that path, but so go yeah. ahead. Well, no, as a parenting ace, my dad's like, this is good lawyering. Well done, Alex. Um, but, it, you know, it, part of it is because I cover the coaches, because I cover all of these schools right. closely, I want to still be able to have relationships with these players where the coaches aren't thinking, well, that's. X is paying you. So that's why you talk fondly of them. And it's yeah. like, no, everyone knows my biases towards Michigan because that's where I went. And that's my one. And that's my only one. And people don't have to worry about that. Um, but the truth is, I know people who are supporting Project Elite get in contact with Dalton. 
And, you know, again, that is the key, whether you are a donor, whether you are a player, people who are interested in Project Elite is to contact us at Crack Rackets. And don't, I mean, again, everything, my ignorance is not meant to say because we're anything's below board. Everything is above board. We are in compliance with every rule and regulation because the last thing in the world we would want to do is compromise any of these athletes moving forward. And so, of course, that is something we are uh, certainly focused on. But the idea again, for us in particular, is to is to create, is to have the Crack Rackets athlete mean something to the point where a Wilson, you know, for the long-term goal or some sort of sponsor in the tennis world, I should have said tennis point, I can't believe I didn't, comes to us and says, we would like all Crack Rackets athletes to rock tennis point merch, to be tennis point representatives. And, you know, again, um, that is something we are actively pursuing. That is something hopefully when this airs in two weeks, you will have already heard an announcement about, but that would be the long-term goal for uh, just to have a crack rackets athlete mean something. Right. Are you looking at the athlete's social media following? Um, I know, you know, that's one of the things that's been talked about a lot with NIL is, you know, how many Instagram followers, how many TikTok followers, yada, yada. I also, you know, when I was at uh, National Hard Courts, I was at the girls 16s and 18s. A lot of the coaches there were saying, well, you know, it's going to be a lot easier for the women to get these endorsements, these sponsorships, because, you know, the things they're posting on their social media, they're, you know, a little bit sexy and, you know, sponsors are after that because it attracts followers. How are you handling all those things? Because that made me a little uncomfortable, I have to say. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough conversation to have. There's no denying those are things that stand out to us. How many Twitter followers? How engaged are you and active on Instagram? Because that is the way you get messages out to consumers and i mean it's just the way businesses run first and foremost you know these cracked rackets athletes we are still a company we still have you know advertisements to sell we still have things we have to get out there and obviously as part of the cracked rackets team that's something we are asking and expecting out of these athletes there is going to be a commitment from them if you're you know that is part of the nils yes they get to uh profit off of their name, image, and likeness, but it's not a free ride. That is one of these things these regulations prevent. It's just a free ride for these kids. Um, but no, it, it, it's an uncomfortable thing. I would say, number one, at least for us, I think talent is just, you put on-court results, we're going to notice. Like, yeah. Cannon Kingsley, who's 27-0 and 0 through the regular season, that's a no-brainer. Like, of course, that that's an easy crack rackets. And, you know, Isabel Boulay, all Big Ten, and was her and Coley Allen were, I think, like 37 in the country, and they were lost like three times on the year. That's an easy thing for us. Right. But, but you're, it's definitely an uncomfortable thing to say because I think it works both ways. If you're an attractive woman, if you're an attractive man, your followers are going to be higher just in general. That's how social media works. And I think that's something, you know, I'm still going to be the most attractive person at Cracked Rackets. No one's worried about that. (laughs) Um, But, well, second to Daniel Westoff. But I would say, uh, yes, it's definitely, I mean, because less about the followers than about the activity. Are you good at social media? If you're, if you're funny and you're, you just haven't been utilized enough. Well, here's the money. We now want to utilize you. Be funny. We are, we are paying you to show your personality. Um, But absolutely. I I would say social media consciousness more than social media following would be the, the, how we approach that. So you guys are actually paying the athletes. Is that the deal? And then 
how are you going to make money from this? Is it through the sponsorships? Do you know? Uh, well, I do know. I, Can you I, talk I, about that? Yeah, I, I, part of it is like I should have asked Dalton what he wants me to say or not say. Um, no, he doesn't care. Um, now, we have a very open relationship here at Crack Rackets. <laughs> He's going to slap me in the face, win or lose. Uh, you know, so – no, it, I, I know, again, sponsorships, yes, long-term, of course, that's a big part of this moving forward, yep. but I, I commission system's the wrong word. Okay. I, I know there is some, it's not middleman's the wrong word as well. I know we are making money in the process. You're an agent. Yeah, that's a good you way. You take to, a percentage. But a legal agent, because well, again. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do think that's how it works. I hope Obviously. I'm not insinuating that anything. No, 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 you're not. It's no, no, Again, no, no. I okay. said this at the beginning. It yeah. just feels unkosher still. Because yeah. for my first 25 years of life, I was told, you pay a college athlete, you're going to prison. Like right. We have seen people right. go to prison for doing this, and it's not illegal anymore. And I think, again, part of the reason people are comfortable working with crack rackets, if I don't mind, you know, pushing us up a little bit, is we have there's a we have a, a degree of credibility within the college tennis world now. These not only have these players seen me, these coaches have seen me at events. They saw mm-hmm. me at the national championships. They have talked to me in person. They know if if they have any questions or they're uncomfortable with anything to just call us and say, well, this is a little bit, you know, sketchy. What's going on here? And we can have Mm -hmm. candid conversations that we didn't know, or we did know. And so again, that's part of this is it's still the very early stages just for how NIL is going to be received in general. Um, But no, I I do think again, why we wanted to act as for lack of a better term, an agent uh, to these players is because they are comfortable with the Cracked Rackets brand, they sure. know by working with us and to go full circle here, they are promoting college tennis, um, which is ultimately the goal through Project Elite is just to let as many athletes know, whether you're in the junior stage, whether you are within the sport, hey, there are people who care. And then the more you know, people who see within the college tennis world in the early junior stages, even later on afterwards, after you've become a Cracked Rackets athlete and gone through college, you'll still feel committed. I, I think I've shared this a theory with you when you were on the podcast like if you're an ivy league school there are at least 10 alums who have enough dis- uh, disposable income that you should have a pot of one hundred thousand dollars to be paying yeah. at your athletes with for the next five years because it should not be that hard to raise money and reward these athletes if you have the alums to do it and so that that's part of the reason we wanted to get in early as well as with all these early developments as things become more aware as as players and coaches just become better at negotiating these rules. We want to be best positioned to help these players be right, ready, right off the ground to say, all right, let's rock and roll. Yeah, no, I love it. And frankly, you know, you guys are positioned to shape how this whole thing unfolds over the next year or two. I think it's really cool that you're involved. You're involved early. You're not just thinking in the short term, how can we make money off this, but how can we grow college tennis? How can we, you know, make college tennis fan friendly? How can we engage alums better? Because this has been one of my big gripes about college tennis and, you know, it's kind of fallen on deaf ears, but, you know, why aren't alums more involved in marketing their college tennis programs? I mean, it's absurd to me that they wouldn't want to push those programs and build the fan base and all of that. So I, I love what y'all are doing. Oh, I appreciate it. Sorry. First of all, I should never cut off a compliment, but um, I appreciate you saying that. How about the rule that the pro tennis players aren't allowed to wear their college gear during matches? Right. Like, because it's free advertising. That's asinine. That's yeah. just absurd that 
we are at a point, if Ty Kwiatkowski is wearing a Virginia hat that's against the rules, like, are you kidding me? He was an NCAA champion there. If right. Noah Rubin can go play the Winston, we're totally fine with Wake Forest giving wild, or Winston-Salem giving wild cards to the entire right. Wake Forest team. But the moment they put on a Demon Deacon shirt, they're out. Like, right. And by the way, can we just talk from one Vildechai to another? Noah Rubin as a Demon <laughs> Deacon will never make me comfortable. Like, I just, I text him, I was like, Noah, like, uh, how did this, I just, how did you, because I know at one point he really did want to go to Michigan. I was like, yeah. you would have been the best Michigan athlete. How did you not end up as a Wolverine Jewish from New York? Like you would fit hand in a glove. Um, <laughs> instead he's a demon deacon. Um, but that, because I, all of that is to say, I agree with you. I, I full throatedly agree with you. And I do think with these, oh, I mean, like, you don't think John Isner is going to have the Georgia players ready to rock and roll now that he can't yeah. have the Georgia players ready to rock and roll? I think there's a rule if you are a donor to the program, you can't be an NIL donor or something like what? I, it's really stupid. Again, there are still some stupid rules in place. That's the other thing is like there. That is why we really wanted to do this is there are some stupid rules in place that people aren't aware of. But one thing we know is within the rules is for these players to become crack rackets athletes. So, again, to provide right. them a mechanism to, to know that they're above board, we're doing our job. Yeah. And so I've got the Project Elite uh, link up on the screen for those of you with kids currently playing college tennis or in the recruiting process looking to play college tennis, check out Project Elite. It is a way to supplement or replace or just be a great source of revenue for your player as they're on campus doing their thing as a student athlete. And it's something new that wasn't available before, but it is now. And Alex Gruskin and Cracked Rackets have jumped on this opportunity and are there to help your player maximize their NIL opportunities as well. So Alex, it's been a pleasure. I always love chatting with you. I feel like we've, we've talked so much recently and it's just so fun. And I love watching what y'all are doing. Keep up the great work. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. I hope we didn't wake up the housemates, but. Uh... <laughs> First of all, again, it's just West off and he's. Eh. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I, as always, I appreciate you for having me. I hope I didn't double fault too much on the parenting aces show. Um, but I, I do. I, I, I would say it's true. I have talked to you more than my own mother in the past two weeks, and I'm not Maybe I should that. start calling you my pod son. Oh, I, there's nothing I'd be more flat. Do, do I need to shave? Is that what you're no. telling me? That's, no, you're adorable. Oh, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. But thank you for having me, Lisa. Um, obviously, I do want to point out your coverage of San Diego. Exceptional. We had you on our Great Shot podcast to break down that event, talk a little bit more about NIL. So if you want to hear more of Lisa and I chatting, go check that out. Uh, yeah. Of course, all the content, crackedrackets.com. But thank you, as always, Lisa, for having me. Thanks for coming on. To my listeners, thank you for tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.